I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello. And welcome to the World Cricket Show, a show about cricket all over the world. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And here with me, well, one of the things we're very proud of here at the World Cricket Show is all the work we do in the community. We work with troubled youths, problem kids, and try and keep them on the straight and narrow. This week we've got a young man by the name of Tony Kerr in the studio with us. Good evening, Tony. Yeah. Cheers, Adam. Well, we... it took you all weekend, did it? Presumably to come up with that one. <laughs> Just <laughs> night and day. All week, yeah. Well, we've given you an opportunity here, haven't we, to uh, to try and get your life back on track. <laughs> I'm, I'm relishing this opportunity as it's well. It's all on you now. It's all up to you. No one can do it for you. Yeah. Right, come on, get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going this week, Tim? No, it's going very well, thanks. I, I don't think I've seen you since uh, the last time we no, were in the possible. studio. I've only just realised that. I wondered why I was having such a relaxed week. Well, it's been a good week, actually. I've really enjoyed myself. You know, no one getting in my face, no one kind of correcting me when I think I say. Correcting your grammar. <laughs> exactly. It's been very enjoyable. I think you'll find it's whom. I say that to you a lot, don't I? Yeah. I've been in London this week, Tane. That's cool. Yeah, I had a great time. I went to all the big sites, you know, uh, Oxford Road, Convent Garden, Piccadilly Circus. Pal Mall. It's a big mall. Yeah. How many of these have you got? <laughs> it's 25. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, What did you get up to? Uh, what didn't I get up to? I saw London correspondent Gordon McRae, uh, which was fun. On his home patch. Had a lot of fun. Did a lot of cool stuff. Went to some museums. A lot of fun. <laughs> Went to some museums, British museums. That's like a blast. Natural History Museum. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, it was, it was a great time. But, that, yeah. I mean, the museums are free. I mean, you're supposed... You're, you're, asked to donate but pff, whatever <laughs> but uh, but despite the fact museums are free you just spend so much money in london you're just constantly handing over money uh, i haven't been to any of these museums since i was a kid and i really should natural history museum is great again. yeah i used to love it i went to something called the namco funscape which is it's like a bar slash arcade but namco classic video game yeah. company so they had all kinds of arcade games there time crisis um other arcade games that was basically it but went, yeah went with uh with with gordon friend of the show alex friend of the show james friend of the show nick so just some friends of the show it was just loads of friends basically of the show. just our friends <laughs> yeah. there was there was quite a funny bit where uh basically the this place was on two levels and upstairs was dodgems and loads of sort of funfair type things and then on the lower floor was all the arcade games and that was where the bar was and they were only allowed, I think, to serve alcohol on the lower floor. They obviously didn't have the alcohol, alcohol license for the top floor. There's just quite a funny bit towards the end of the night where 
we were walking up the flight of stairs that connected the two levels and uh, there's a sign halfway up that says no alcohol beyond this point. Like, we're all holding glasses and uh, we kind of stood there by this sign for about 30 seconds, like not sure whether we we would risk going further up. And in the end, uh, Nick goes, ah, what are they going to do? Let's just go up there. So we walk up to the top, literally at the top. There was someone standing there. He's like, you can't bring those up here. We're like, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Of course not. So we just walk back down again. So this is like a night spot, is it? Yeah, yeah. The thing is with people in that London is that they they can't just go, uh, you know, you can't just go out and talk. There has to be some pointless kind of aside. They've got to be entertained. They've got to be entertained. They're just... They demand entertainment. If there's a, even a 30-second lull in entertainment, they don't know what to do. It's weird, isn't it? Our last time I went over, I thought, oh, I'll catch up with some friends. Got a night out, and they were like, oh, yeah, we'll go to the roller disco. So, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Cool. I can't imagine you on roller skates. I'm not as good as you might think. <laughs> You're even less good <laughs> than I thought. You're right, actually, that all these things are coming back, like... Ten years ago, the idea of going to roller disco would have been incredibly uncool. But wow. now it's what all the kids are doing. Well, it's, they're not kids, are they? Like late twenties <laughs> to kind of mid forties. Yuppies. Yuppies. Yeah. We went Yuppies. on. We went on the dodgems. Well, I, I say this. I didn't go on the dodgems. Everyone else went on the dodgems. <laughs> Why? You never, <laughs> no one invited you. Yeah. No one. I was sat in the corner. Is that like being asked to dance? It's like joining on the dodgems with me. Well, no. The uh, Nick had had a few too many beers. It got to about 12.30 and they were kicking out and they'd shut everything down and they'd shut the dodgems down. And Nick was absolutely desperate to go on the dodgems. And he was so... We were like, Nick, leave it, mate, because the guy that ran the dodgems was getting quite annoyed. And then Nick went and found the manager of the whole place. And he, I don't know how he managed to convince him. It was one of those really funny things. It was like from a TV show where we could see him way on the other side of the room talking to the manager and we were all saying amongst ourselves like oh god this is embarrassing like what could he possibly be saying and the manager like walked over and was like yeah open up the dodgems for it it's like what did he say i can't even love to know what he said must be bad enough running a dodgems unit you know for just kids on like an afternoon fair or something but just for a bunch of drunk kind of no good yuppies yuppies must be horrible must be a real nightmare so they all went on the dodgems i didn't go on i i really don't like the dodgems i never have uh, even when I was a kid and stuff. And I, I realised that I think it's just because I'm just way too careful. Like, I just try and stay out of the way, <laughs> which is really not the point of Dodgems, is it? Well, no, no, it is, isn't it? Dodgems is in the name. Bumper uh, cars true, is the one way. I think Dodgems, you are supposed to you know, ride the challenges. Well, that is like... not what was happening <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday night. Anyway, yeah, so I just watched. But a good wow, time cool. has had by all. like a great weekend. <laughs> yeah. Dodgems, time crisis, what more could you ask for? Well, anyway, what's coming up on the show today, Tony? Just to bring this back to cricket a little bit. Lots of things is the answer to that. We've got lots more of your questions to answer on our award-winning segment, Got a Question. Questions on everything from the different kinds of cricket balls to the greatest wicketkeeper batsman of all time to cricket video games. So lots of different topics this week. We've got a couple more side notes as well. And we'll also be talking a little bit about county cricket. If you can believe that. They're basically doing anything not to talk about the IPL. (laughs) It's really dredging the canal of cricket punditry. Scratching around trying to find something that isn't the IPL. Well, the cricket season is underway here in Guernsey. Listeners, I'm sure, remember that uh, last season, myself and Tony, after a break of seven years, returned to the cricket field for a team in Guernsey Evening League Division 4 called Kobo Legends. Well, it's just back, isn't it? Cricket's back. And that's the reason you went away, I think, because you were, you were scared. You felt like you were undercooked, so you went away and just 
Maybe did some nets. I'm surprised you didn't do, yeah, spend the whole weekend doing I actually nets. invented that whole story about dodgems and stuff like that because yeah. I've just spent the entire four days just in the nets. Listeners will be interested to hear that, you know, not only were we promoted from Division 4 to 3 last year, but someone dropped out, a team dropped out of Division 2, so we've been promoted again. Yeah. They felt like we were good enough. You know, they didn't give it to the team who finished third or whatever it was in <laughs> Division 3. Uh, they went all the way down to the Champions of Division 4 and put us up there. So Double promotion. Yeah, we made our Division 2 bow on two days ago. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, we lost. We fielded quite a young team and me. So <laughs> it was mostly there was a guy who literally looked like you when you're about nine uh so i didn't hold up much hope but we had a couple of the regulars from last season uh but yeah but and yeah and that's kind of where it begins and ends so what's the next topic <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want to talk about your performance oh it's great behind the stumps oh you kept wicket yeah i kept wicket yeah did you take any catches? No, there weren't any. There was no edges. <laughs> How big a defeat was this? Oh, it, well, yeah, it wasn't massive. It was only 16 over game. Uh, I think we posted 77. Mm. So, you know, it was never going to be enough. And mm. they, uh, they The question was asked, have they got enough? <laughs> yeah, and the answer categorically was no. And then the, uh, uh, the oppo kind of got there with about three overs to spare, I think, four or five wickets down. So, you know, it was a comfortable victory for them. But yeah, we were the average age of our squad was about fourteen. So, <laughs> how many runs did you score to? Uh, well, I managed to squirt a couple off my pads for some <laughs> leg buys before I swung a straight one and got out for a duck. Unfortunately, uh, okay. But so, I did. I lasted about four deliveries. <laughs> when I texted you on Tuesday night, then after I knew the game would have finished with the, with the text, runs question mark, and you didn't respond until Wednesday <laughs> late. <laughs> Just saying, we'll talk about it on Thursday. That was why. Yeah. Let's kick off the show, Tony, with Got A Question. Can you play the jingle for me? I can try. On this item, we say to listeners, have you got a question for us? And people say, yes, yes, we do. And they send us their questions. And me and Tony, what we do is we answer those questions. We don't give you like definitive answers. We kind of... We we you know we make both sides of the argument and then let you know let you decide. Often what we do actually is use your use your question as a springboard to talk about something completely different that we want to talk about. Got a couple of questions from Stephen Carter on the email. Uh, The first one, well, he's one of the countless people who's been writing in this week, wanting to know what the deal is with the World Cricket Show merch. Uh, We talked about this last week, didn't we? We might introduce some World Cricket Show mugs, a range of mugs. Lots of people have expressed an interest in that. You also suggested a range of barbecue grills that would brand your steak with the World Cricket Show logo. Not quite so much interest in that. Well, I mean, wait till it heats up, though, you know. People are still in a kind of winter mindset at the moment. As soon as the sun is beating down and people are getting their barbecues out, they'll suddenly realise you know, the opportunity that's been missed. Well, we need a, a whole summer range of stuff, then, yeah. don't we? World Cricket Show sunblock. Uh, apron. Apron. Towel. We could. We could... We could we could we could do some towels, couldn't we? Genuinely though, I think I might do a uh, some new t-shirts. I was going to, talk about, I was going to cut you out of this. <laughs> okay. uh, Your own wine bag, which I'll be, I'll be marketing from at Tony Cover. <laughs> Just your face. Uh, yeah, no, no, with a kind of design, maybe an ashes special. You know, do an ashes kind of an ashes related t-shirt. Well, that's interesting that you said that because what you've done there, if they're going to be for the ashes, is you very much put a deadline yeah, on you arranging yeah. that, and listeners who remember how long it took us to sort out the original line of t-shirts if you're gonna hold your breath 
make sure it's a deep breath, I would say. That could just be the start, though, Tane. You know, mugs, new T-shirts, aprons. What about, like, uh, World Cooking Show collectible figures? Me, you, a limited edition London correspondent. I mean, that would pretty much be the That'd end of it, it, wouldn't it? But it would be uh, highly collectible. What about those, uh, you know, those, uh, what are they called, pro stars or whatever? The mini yeah. miniature football. Big heads, what are they called? Yeah, they've got massive heads. We could do me and you. What about the whole Kobo Legends team? When we brought the, the original T-shirts out, it was it was a lot like The Apprentice, wasn't it? You phoning me every day going, how many units have we shifted? <laughs> Once I've brought you into the boardroom. Shift more units! And I just I announced the... Well, I made you announce the sales. The, the guys from Rubicon <laughs> gave you a massive dressing down about how useless you'd been. Well, it might be like that all over again. A second question from Stephen. Any idea if the Duke Bull swings in Australia or if the Kookaburra swings in England? I've barely seen a bull swing here, Australia, in recent seasons. Maybe it's just our bowlers. If your mob swing it in the ashes, our batters will be in all sorts of trouble. What do you think, Tone? Do you think maybe it's a, a somewhat ridiculous situation in a way that different cricket balls are used in different parts of the world? Obviously, we've got the Duke in England and the West Indies. The SG ball is used in India, and then the Kookaburra is used everywhere else. What, what's your take on, on that? Yeah, it's great. You like it? Yeah, I don't see why that's what the problem is. You know, it's just part of the playing conditions, isn't it? And yeah, I think it's nice as a bit of variety. There's no, there's no need to have the same ball across different, uh, you know, federations. In football, different balls are used. In tennis, different balls are used everywhere. So there's no, you know, there was, there's no argument really that says you should use one ball. That's like say you should prepare every pitch the same. You should. There is a lot of variety across the world in terms of environmental and playing and technical conditions. So yeah, go for it. But I believe I believe that uh, the Kookaburra ball is handmade, isn't it, in Australia? Uh, whereas the, the 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 Duke is more cheaply made in the subcontinent. I think there's a disparity in terms of quality, possibly there. Well, that's interesting uh, because, for my money at least, the Duke ball makes for more exciting cricket. It does swing much more than the Kookaburra ball. I mean, obviously, a Duke ball isn't going to swing in India any more than a, a Kookaburra is. But it does seem that if the conditions are conducive to swing you're much more likely to get the Duke ball to do that than the Kookaburra. I mean, think about the recent um, England tour of New Zealand. The ball didn't swing there at all, even though New Zealand is very swing-friendly. You suspect that if the Duke ball had been used, it, it would have swung a little I bit. Name, I love the concept of the Duke ball. The Duke. It's, what do you mean? It's just a strong, it's a strong name, isn't it? Not that the Kookaburra <laughs> isn't a strong name. But... I don't know what you mean. No, just a good name. Okay. You'll be interested, actually, to hear about local cricket in Guernsey. Uh, Evening League, we're using the pink ball this season. Oh, they, they're trialling it. The, <laughs> the ICC are trialling it. They're not even trialling it. They just dived. Head- oh, that's probably why I missed the straight one. I just couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other thing that's quite funny is that... Well, not, not, not that that's particularly funny, but... Uh, the other thing is that in afternoon cricket, uh, we have to wear coloured pads and they're using a new white ball from each end. That's in second 11 afternoon cricket, <laughs> which is slightly absurd, I think. And is that a Duke ball? <sighs> don't know. It's a right. ball. I didn't even look. It's a ball. It's a, it's a ball. It's a ball. I mean, I think there possibly is an argument for them standardising the ball across the world. Playing conditions like weather and stuff like that is outside the control of anyone. But there are some aspects of the game of cricket that are standardised. And using different balls, I don't know, it just... I guess the argument is just if... If there's a ball that quite clearly makes for more interesting, more exciting cricket, then why not use that one if you're trying to make test cricket more exciting and interesting? 
I mean, that's not going to happen because it is now in a situation where these different companies have have obviously a very strong interest in maintaining the situation as it is. Kookaburra wouldn't be happy if the ICC just said we're going to use the Duke ball everywhere, nor would SG. But maybe Kookaburra could be sort of gently encouraged to make their ball swing a bit more. I mean, obviously in the past it has swung in New Zealand and stuff, but recently there is a trend towards no swing in Australia and New Zealand and elsewhere, whereas it is continuing to swing in England. So you'd imagine that that does have quite a lot to do with the, the type of ball. Can't see that the ball would be the major reason for lack of swing and the kind of dead, deadish pitches uh, down under recently. But yeah, I, I agree. Perhaps the ball makers should be persuaded to to make a more lively ball in like baseball isn't the ball is made all the balls are made by the same company there's like one family that does it or something yeah i think yeah exactly it's like one one small manufacturer that's making balls for the whole of the mlb but i don't think that necessarily needs to be the case in cricket if it's no, I, I do actually agree with you. I was kind of playing devil's advocate before. Oh, yeah. I, I don't yeah, think yeah. Yeah, 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 you've been persuaded. Haven't you? Come <laughs> I, don't, on. I don't think that there is necessarily a reason to change the situation. It is one of the great things about cricket that there is variety in different parts of the world. But it, it's just a little bit frustrating, I think, when you watch cricket played with the jeep ball and it swings, and then you watch cricket played with the kookaburra ball and it doesn't because inevitably that's less exciting. As far as Stephen's question about the ashes is concerned, the fact that the ball's going to swing in England and how Australia will get on, therefore, I think there's no doubt that Anderson, Onions, if he plays, you know, they're going to be licking their lips at the prospect of bowling to some of those Aussie batsmen, Warner, Hughes, Watson. Their techniques against the swinging ball will be seriously examined in England. But then the same could be said about quite a few of the English batsmen as well. What's Compton got against the swinging ball? What's Root got against the swinging ball? We don't really know. Trot and Bell have sometimes struggled in the past, especially against left arm swing coming back in. And that maybe brings Mitchell Stark into play in the Ashes. So yes, I think Australia's batsmen will find going tough at times against the English swing bowlers. But I would say that the same will be true of the English batsmen as well. As Michael Holding always says, nobody's good against the swinging ball. When the ball's swinging, it's very difficult whoever you are, however accustomed you are to that. Okay, let's move this on, Tane. Uh, I'm sure that you'll remember that over recent weeks, I've been selecting composite 11s for the various international teams in what we're calling the post-Atherton era, which is actually a bit of a misnomer, I think. Basically, from 1994 until the present day, um, it started, someone asked me to select uh, a post-Atherton England team. And then since then, I've just kind of run with it and I did West Indies a couple of weeks ago. This week, I've got Pakistan. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, man, I'm absolutely buzzing for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, the openers are Amir Sohail and Saeed Anwar. Uh, Yunus Khan is at number three. Then a middle order of Mohammed Yusuf, Inzamam Ulhaq and Salim Malik. The wicketkeeper is Moen Khan. Then I got a four-man bowling attack, two seam bowlers, Two spinners. The seam bowlers are Wasi Makram and Wakar Yunus. Controversial selections. <laughs> and the spinners are Saklane Mushtaq and Saeed Ajmal. There is one controversial name in there, and that's Sally Malik, who you may be aware uh, was the first cricketer to be convicted of match-fixing. That came right at the end of his career, his ban. Uh, he'd scored 15 test centuries at an average of 43 before that and was present in... Uh, 
many great Pakistan performances. I've picked him. I'm not entirely happy about it because obviously the match-fixing thing does cast a cloud over his career somewhat, as it does for players like Azaruddin and Hansi Kronje. Uh, so, and it's hard to kind of know how far you can overlook that and sort of still look at the rest of their careers. I have selected him because I'm, I think there's a, a, a bit of a dearth of other options in the Pakistan middle order, aside from the guys that I have picked. So it's slightly controversial, but that's what I've gone with. What do you make of that team tone? Formidable bowling attack, Wasim Wakar, Saklain, Saeed Ajmal. Yeah, I mean, hard to argue with it. Uh, you know, no place for Shah Bakhtar. You know, he's a bit of a legend in many ways. You know, underfulfilled probably. But uh, Well, that's the thing, he didn't quite... He didn't quite hit it, did he? But, and also very difficult, very difficult to get in above the others for him there. Well, that's the thing. I mean, he played 46 test matches, took 178 wickets at a very respectable average of 25.69. I mean, that, that is a very good test career, but only 46 tests, which is, you know, a reasonable number. But he didn't quite have the, the long career that he might have done. I think if I was going to pick a, a three-man seam attack for Pakistan, then I'd, I'd pick Wasim Wakar. And he did have the real star appeal, though, and the real like box office kind of billing, didn't he, at certain stages, being the fastest bowler in the world. No, I don't, it doesn't seem to carry that much glamour now, but at that point, I remember just it was all about Shah, but it was, oh, I can't wait to see him bowl. Yeah, I mean, he was a global star yeah. when he played, for sure. But, um, yeah, he, he didn't quite maximise his potential, I think. But as I say, I would have him in the team if I was going to pick three seamers, but I, I just don't think you can leave out Sacklane or Saeed Ajmal at this point either. Uh, but yeah, then that looks like a pretty good side to me. No place for either of the brothers, Zachmel, <laughs> which is a bit disappointing. It might, what might be quite fun is when I've when I've done this for all the test teams is to sort of try and square them off. Could we do some kind of like World Cup, draw some quarterfinals? Cool World Cup. Wow! I'll get you to decide who's got the stronger team in each fixture. <laughs> we could. Well, let's see. Yeah, let's let's do it. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. A question from Keston Sylvester on Twitter. On a similar theme, I think, on this sort of post-1994 theme, uh, he wants to know, top five wicketkeeper batsmen from 1994 to 2013. Obviously, Adam Gilchrist is in there, Tony, isn't he? Uh, well, he's not just in there, he's probably number one, isn't He's he? got to be number one, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. he's the best since 94. He's the best of all time, I think, for me. I think, actually, he's, by a reasonable distance, the best of all time. But it's fairly undisputed. I mean, yeah. when people talk about modern greats, they generally sort of say Lara, Tendulkar... Callis Ponting in the batting. Kerr. Maybe, maybe Dravid as well. And in the bowling, they'd say, you know, Warren, Murali, McGrath. Not many people mention Adam Gilchrist, but for me, he's, he is one of the, the truly great cricketers of all time. Some real evidence of that is that even in the real heyday of that Australian side under Steve Waugh, under Ricky Ponting, at the turn of this century, when the Australian top six was Hayden, Langer, Ponting, Waugh, Waugh, Martin... Gilchrist was still the one that the opposition most feared, I think. Coming in at seven, they could be 100 for five, they could be 350 for five, and you'd still be terrified of Adam Gilchrist. His strike rate was just incredible, really, a career strike rate. His strike rate was 81.95, behind only Verinda Savug in Test history. I can give you some more stats as well, if, if you need more evidence, Tone, if you yeah, need convincing. Case 17 Test centuries, which for a wicketkeeper is an awful lot... At an average of 47.6, almost 10,000 one-day international runs with 16 centuries in there. Uh, and with the gloves, 416 dismissals in Test cricket, 472 dismissals in ODI cricket, which is a world record. That's a great haul, but I mean, yeah, I guess he was keeping to 
an astonishing bowling attack. Oh, that's absolutely, that's absolutely right. But then again, keeping to someone like Warren, it's not, you know, you've got to be a good keeper to keep up with that. For sure, yeah. I mean, that one way of looking at it is, yeah, that he was keeping to these guys who were creating so many chances for him. But another way of looking at Shane Warne's career is that he had first Ian Healy and then Adam Gilchrist to snap all the, the chances that he was creating, which maybe gave him a lot more test wickets than he might have had with a, an inferior gloveman. So yeah, Adam Gilchrist, number one by a mile. Uh, I think Mark Boucher is a, a pretty obvious second place. 5,000 test runs and the world record for most test dismissals. Yeah, um, I agree. It might miss, like, very reliable, very capable batsman, but quite contrast to Gilchrist in terms of star quality. <laughs> That's true, yeah. He, he wasn't exactly box office, but he was just very, very consistent. Played 147 test matches. He was just an, an ever-present in that South African team, sort of the, the, one of the first names on the team sheet for every game they played. And I, I think people like Graham Smith, you know, long-standing South African players, would say that Boucher was one of the best players they played with just because he was so reliable. At the moment, certainly, he's number two for me. He's, he's maybe not... You know, that there are other wicketkeeper batsmen that have come and gone in that time that you'd say you'd rather watch bat that are better batsmen than him, but he just had the consistency. So I've put him at second... There is someone who's coming up hard on his outside, and that is Matt Pryor, who has himself been incredibly consistent over the last few years. Arguably the most improved cricketer in the world over the last five years or so, because if you think how bad he was with the gloves early on in his career, and he's now absolutely world-class. So I'd put him at third since 1994. In fourth, I've got MS Dhoni. A lot of people would say he should be higher up that list, and certainly in ODI cricket, I think he's probably only behind Adam Gilchrist in history. But his test form, while not terrible, just lets him down a little bit his, his test average now has just dipped below 40 but i'd still put him at, at fourth fifth place was a real toss-up between ian healy who i think was one of the great glovemen of all time it, it, healy's legacy has maybe been overshadowed a little bit by adam gilchrist but he was uh, he was named in australia's team of the century as their wicketkeeper he only averaged 28 with the bat but with the gloves he was absolutely outstanding for a very long period of time so it's a toss-up between him and Alex Stewart, whose glove work wasn't always world-class, but who scored 15 test centuries for England. In the end, I've just about gone for Stewart. I've put him at fifth. Some might say two England players in the top five, maybe over, over-egging the, the basket a little Maybe bit. a little bit biased. But on the other hand, both very, very good players. Both worthy, I'd who say, would you, yeah. Who would you put oh. in there? Well, I mean, there are, there are players that you have to argue. Brendan McCullum, I like a lot. I was just going to say, Brendan McCullum and Kumar Sangakkara... I haven't considered for this because neither of them uh, wear the gloves anymore. I don't know whether you can still say that they are wicketkeeper batsmen. Yeah. If they were, then yeah, absolutely, they'd both be in there. Sangakara would be number two on the list for me. I think I think Kumar Sangakara is one of the most underrated cricketers of all time. I mean, he's, he's rated very highly, but I think he is one of the modern greats. But I, I don't consider him to be a wicketkeeper batsman anymore. So aside from those two, I, I'm not sure that there are any other really obvious candidates. Chris Reid. What's well, interesting, you mentioned Chris Reid. In choosing Stewart over Healy, what I've done there obviously is gone for the superior batsman. Does that reflect the modern trend of, of choosing wicketkeepers for their batting primarily? Glove work tends to be a, a secondary consideration. A lot of people get quite upset about that, sort of cricketing purists. What's your take on it? It's hard to say. I mean, uh, clearly, well, you'd imagine that most cricketers at top level are decent enough fielders. I mean, there are, there are glaring exceptions, but easier to take a good batsman, presumably, and have him catch well than the other way around. 
definitely. I find it really easy to catch behind the stumps, but can't see the ball when I'm in front <laughs> of the stumps for, for anything. So I, I don't know why that is. It's true. You really, yeah, I've picked these five wicketkeeper batsmen, but it should really have been you because you are. I'm the, the original. You are the wicketkeeper batsman in the room. In the room, yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, it's undeniably the trend these days, isn't it? I mean, it, it's partly because of Gilchrist that every team around the world is not, is trying to find their own Adam Gilchrist, and in doing that, they're looking for a, a brilliant batsman and then giving and then giving them the gloves. But really, Gilchrist is just fantastic in both departments. There just aren't many Adam Gilchrists. You mentioned Chris Reid. I mean, in, in another era, he might have played 100 Test matches because he he was he is one. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Of the best gloveman in the world. Some would say he is the best gloveman in the world. But Geraint Jones was consistently picked ahead of him because he was seen as a superior batsman, even though he was pretty rubbish with the gloves. I mean, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because really good keeping can save you lots and lots of runs in a test match. And so Jones averaged something like 15 or 20 runs more with the bat than Reed. But would Reed have actually contributed more runs to England's cause by saving, knocking runs off the other team? But what's difficult about that is that those aren't visible runs, are they? It's very visible if Chris Reid gets out for for 10. But they're hypothetical runs that he's saving by taking catches and stuff. So so in a way, you could say, well, really, you should pick your best gloveman. But the one caveat to that is that I think most teams around the world don't have bowling all-rounders. They don't really have all-rounders anymore. Inevitably, your wicketkeeper is going to bat at number seven. And I think it does make the whole team feel a bit vulnerable if they're not confident about their number seven. And that can affect the confidence of the batsman above. So it is a bit more subtle than than that. It's all very complicated. The great thing from England's perspective at the moment is that they've got an excellent batsman and an excellent gloveman in Matt Pryor. And that's what you're looking for, really, isn't it? And that's the thing about those those names that I've mentioned, particularly Gilchrist, Boucher, Pryor. You know, the reason why they are greats of the game, I think, is because they're top class in both departments. Yeah, and it's hard. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, well, given that there's only one wicket-keeping position in the team, you know, you could you would imagine it can't be that hard to find one guy in your country who can catch and bat. Like if you had to have, if you had to have three wicket-keepers, if it was, you know, you, like a bowling attack, then, yeah, maybe there'd be a different way of looking at it. But, yeah, I think you'd kind of expect your keeper to be solid. That's a solid position, yeah. Of course, you've missed Andy Flower in that one. Yeah, I just realised that having gone through that whole, well, should it be Stuart or Healy? <laughs> Clearly Andy Flower should be in there, shouldn't he? And you could argue maybe he should be ahead of Boucher at number two. What I've done, though, there is because, because you know, obviously he's Zimbabwean, is I sort of went through all the big eight 
test nations in my head thinking like, oh, who have they had as wicket keepers? Just completely forgot about Zimbabwe, forgot about Flower. Criminal. I've embarrassed myself. I've let myself down. <laughs> I've let you down. You've let Rubicon down. I've let my parents down. I've let my country down. Well, you literally have. You've let England down. I'll prepare a statement for next week's show. Too. Uh, one final question this week, Tane, comes from Graham Duplessis on Facebook. Do you slash did you play cricket computer games? You were always well into Brian Lara cricket on the Mega Drive, weren't you? Yeah, Mega Drive, Brian Lara 96. What a game. What a game. I mean, graphically limited, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, it's absolutely classic. Mega Drive, mid-90s, dreamy stuff. Yeah, you wish you were still doing that, didn't I you? literally, though, I couldn't bat on it. I was, <laughs> I was, I was as bad at batting on Brian Lara 96 as I was in real life. I had kind one of... called Ian Botham Cricket 96. I, I think I spent quite a considerable portion of 1996 <laughs> just shut in my basement playing that. As a general rule, though, Ted, I think it would be fair to say that cricket video games aren't Don't very work. good. Well, they do, oh, they've never worked. I mean, Lara 96 was mostly good because of the, you know, this was before the days of Wikipedia. Uh, you know, you know we were, it was in Carter, wasn't it, back then? <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah, Brian Lara 96, the, the box had Lara's, you know, Lara's stats on. It was great. <laughs> right, okay. So you just bought it for, <laughs> bought the, it for the box. It was like you didn't actually used to play it. You just no. read the box over and over again. 501. Also, I think it's just nostalgia, isn't it? It's why you, you like Brian Lara cricket and I like yeah. you both in cricket. I actually remember I yeah. at the time thinking that it was pretty rubbish. But now I'm like, oh, I'd love to play that again. Just looking at Codemasters were the. Uh, you know the, the publishers of that uh and they made some great games as well micro machines micro machines was a what good a game. game i mean again just brilliant just hours on that <laughs> uh but i mean there is a bit there's some better other cricket games stick cricket was pretty big at school when that first came around you know the flash game on on the on the computer yeah it's pretty basic pretty yeah. basic just you know four or five keys and you just but it's very addictive but that's the thing i mean that if you're gonna make a cricket game it has to be really simple like that because if you try and make a realistic cricket game, it just doesn't work. Because the no. it's very very hard to translate cricket into a video game. Because how do you make bowling work? How can you convey the kind of the subtleties, the nuances of batting? All cricket games inevitably, as a batsman, you're just trying to slog over cow corner, which is how cricket's gone these days. Am I right? Twenty <laughs> twenty. But I hate you in, heard of that? The, you know, like, you know, in cricket games. Uh... You've got the, you know, when you're bowling, you've got that stupid circle which like moves around, and you've got to stop it. Where you know, it's just it well, doesn't work. It's the work. only way you can yeah. do it, but it's a bit rubbish. And also because it all takes so long and is so repetitive, anything beyond ten overs aside gets very boring very quickly. And uh, yeah, I do remember trying to play some test matches on Ian Botham '96, giving up after about three and a half overs because it's just ridiculous. I get a different angle, I guess. Cricket captain, we played quite a lot of that. That's a cricket management game, isn't it? Which is a, a different thing altogether. And that that does work better, I think. Works so well, although that's a game, I believe that's you know it's developed or made by quite a small company, probably even just one guy. Well, uh, they, they haven't changed it for about ten no, years. It's got, I mean, it's got massive limitations, but I do I do remember just sitting there bashing the spacebar on the computer to, to get to overs. <laughs> I, I really didn't know what the point of the game was, really, because there was <laughs> yeah. no. It could it could be really good. It could work. Uh, Football Manager is a really good game. You know, it's obviously hugely successful and kind of has longevity about it but the the kind of there wasn't really the there wasn't the like the work they didn't really feel like a real world that you were existing in a real cricketing world did it it was kind of like in cricket captain yeah you just it felt quite limited it's incredibly repetitive it's also either much too easy or much too hard yeah. 
um, on the two difficulty settings. And yeah, just other than the stats updating, it hasn't changed at all since about 1999. It's still very addictive if you like cricket as much as I do. But yeah, fundamentally not a great game. I would love it if the, the football manager team made a cricket equivalent. That would be brilliant. I remember a few, this was a few years ago, that the guys that made Cricket Captain got in touch with us and offered to send us a, a review copy. But I think we were on hiatus or something at the time. <laughs> I'm we, holding, didn't, I'm holding. we didn't really get around to it, but that would have been good. Maybe we could try and do that this year. They might not want to do it now after we've just slammed that game. Well, no, we just said it was very addictive. Said it was very addictive, but I said it was fundamentally not a very good game or something like that. <laughs> Snoozing in the stands now. This is our county cricket segment. The county season is well underway, Tone. There's always a county match going on, it seems. In fact, scientists predict that at this rate, by 2025, you'll never be more than 10 feet from a county match. Durham lead Division 1 with two wins from four matches. They're only just ahead of Middlesex, who have won two from two. Surrey, might it for the title, of course, languish at the bottom of the table with two defeats from two matches. Just above them are Derbyshire with three defeats and one draw from four matches. Well, Durham have gone to the top uh, with quite an incredible win over Nottinghamshire. Uh, Notts, uh second innings closed on 333 all out, uh, setting Durham 183 to win in 23 overs, which they did. Some really quick runs from uh, Mark Stoneman. Who apparently Six, scored 69 f- from 38 balls. Durham's fastest ever first-class half-century off 24 balls. And Phil Mustard as well. He got there in 30 balls. So pretty, uh, yeah, pretty exciting close to that match. And yeah, that propels them to the top of the table. It's still very early days, of course. The championship doesn't finish until September. Um, but it would be hard to deny that it is underway. What about England player watch? Most of England's senior players are turning out this week. Jimmy Anderson bagged three for 28 for Lancashire against Glamorgan. Jonathan Trott scored 96 for Warwickshire against Sussex, with Ian Bell also making a half century in that innings. Stuart Broad took four wickets in an innings for Nottinghamshire in that match against Durham. And Graham Swan also made his return from injury. No wickets in the first innings of that game, but apparently he bowled very tidily. He got four wickets, although it was very expensive. I think the fact that he's bowling at all is a significant thing right now. So that's the senior players. More interesting, perhaps, is how the junior players and the fringe players are getting on. Most eye-catchingly, Joe Root scored a double century for Yorkshire against Derbyshire. Johnny Bairstow smashed a rapid-fire 100 in the same match. There have been good starts to the season also for Chris Wokes, who is so far averaging 20 with the ball and 76 with the bat. Graham Onions, who has taken 18 wickets at an average of 22, including 5 for 63 against Yorkshire. And James Taylor, who's made a century and a half century in four innings so far. More difficult starts for Chris Tremlett, who's taken one wicket in 28 overs. And Monty Panazar, who's taken one wicket in 71 overs so far this season. So it's not a great start for Monty. Tremlett, obviously feeling his way back from injury, so we don't want to rush to judgment on him, but you know, obviously not the, the immediate impact that he would have been hoping for. Contrast that with Tim Bresnan, who's back playing for Yorkshire after surgery, and he clean-bowled Keaton Jennings with his first ball back on his way to figures of 4 for 41. And by all accounts, was very impressive, got his pace back up. Again, we don't want to rush to judgment, but that's got to be very encouraging signs for England. Isn't it? If Bresnan can return to something like his best, that's a, a huge step forward, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's, once players have got some county matches under their belt, you know, you can start to get a better feel for for their kind of form and 
uh, and they're going to have a better chance of coming back. It's tough in the winter, isn't it, when players who haven't played a lot of cricket for quite a few months come into sides or, you know, it's, it's hard to gauge where they're at. We made quite a lot of judgments, didn't we, over the winter as we kept, report, uh, kept recording, uh, kept making statements <laughs> about things. Uh, but yeah, maybe now is the better time to judge. Well, it's difficult because, I mean, as we said last week, county cricket isn't always the best litmus test for how players will get on at international level. But, you know, it is often quite unfair that someone like Graham Onions was basically written off after having one bad first-class warm-up match in New Zealand because um, anyone can have a bad game. So the fact that he's come back for Durham and has been taking wickets again, I mean, that's really encouraging. And for Tim Bresnan, there's nothing more that he can do than take wickets in county cricket. And I wouldn't rush him back into the England team because he he did uh, have a real difficult time of it towards uh, the end there in India and before he had the surgery. But it is really, really encouraging because I think people sometimes forget just how good he was at one point. Um, and if he is fit again, if the problem was that he wasn't fit and he is now fit again, then that is brilliant news for England because they, they haven't been... Uh, swimming in world-class bowlers in the last couple of months so if Bresnan is back that would just be that would be great wouldn't it wouldn't it just the side notes now on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week I've got a couple of side notes here for you Tane uh, this first one comes from cricket365.com cricket365.com Afridi I am still better than most all-rounder Shahid Afridi has insisted he will return to the Pakistan ODI team later this year after his omission from the squad for series against Scotland, Ireland and the Champions Trophy in England. Afridi was excluded from a 15-man touring party that also saw no place for Seema Sahel Tanvir and batsman Umar Akmal. Quote, The decision to drop me from the side is taken by the captain, Ms Bartle Hack. It isn't a big thing if the captain does not want a player, but in cricket, being in and out is a one-off thing. I don't know what that means. It happens. Not, it's not one of thing for shade. Is it's it? not one of thing for shade of reading. Yeah, kind of once monthly. <laughs> it happens, and I will soon come back. I am still better than most. I know I have ample cricket left in me, and I can represent Pakistan for the next few years. Players usually get dropped. <laughs> Again, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Players usually get dropped. I usually get dropped. But I appeal to my fans to pray for me. I have been training for the England tour. I will be out for a while. And I know that I have to work hard to come back. No place for a 3D tone. That's disappointing, isn't it? Because, I mean, we talk about talk about box office players. Yeah. You know, look no further than Shahid Afridi, really. And, you know, that Champions Trophy in England, there's no Peterson. There's no Afridi. I mean, you could argue it makes all the sense in the world for from a cricketing standpoint. <laughs> because he's been fairly poor. He didn't take a, a wicket while. against South Africa, did he, in five, uh, in five ODIs? And you can't really call him a batsman these days. You can't even really call him a number 10 batsman these days. He's pretty hopeless. Uh, but it is a shame because he is uh, he is a superstar. And one of my favourite cricketers as well. Oh, he's undoubtedly one of my favourite cricketers. Uh, but yeah, he's in... He's in the doldrums, isn't he? But he's not, he's, he's not over the hill. He's got, got a few years left to give. There's quite a good article on Crick Info actually this week, not to plug them any more than we normally do. Just saying that 2020 has kind of ruined Afridi. You'd think that it would have been perfect for him, but actually what it's done is made everyone try to bat like Afridi. The genius of Afridi was that he played in a 2020 fashion way ahead of his time, but now everyone does that and so it's kind of yeah. less remarkable and also his ability to play that way has fallen off a cliff um, he'll, be, he'll be long remembered though as a, as a great cricketer yeah the way he kind of turned himself into a quality bowler as well 
uh, and a, quite an exciting bowler to watch just steaming in big unit <laughs> steaming in but like just kind of bowling these kind of mid-paced turners great to watch and he was what for i mean i remember you know was it a couple of years ago at the world cup he was unplayable it was the world 2020 in 2009 yeah. i think he was man of the tournament yeah for his bowling i mean he was one of the best um, limited overs bowlers in the world for quite well it's the problem he's got is that his his form has really dropped off with the ball as well i think he probably will be back even retirement hasn't stopped him from coming back before but it's a shame that he's missing this tournament it will make it it does reduce the the interest a little bit one other side note, uh, this one comes from a website called whalesonline.co.uk. Okay, different. Uh, now, that's not the animal, <laughs> it's the country. Should Wales have its own international cricket team? Ask politicians. A consultation should be launched on whether Wales should form its own international cricket team. A National Assembly committee has concluded. The National Assembly's Petitions Committee said that an intelligent discussion on a Welsh cricket team was needed saying a consultation would gauge what the majority view is from all sections of the cricketing community. But the committee opted not to recommend the establishment of a Welsh team or to recommend against it, saying the decision should lie with those responsible for the game in Wales. The committee's chairman, Liberal Democrat Assemblymember William Powell, said Wales' admission from the governing body's acronym, the England and Wales Cricket Board is known as the ECB, was, quote, an anachronism. He said, quote, while considering this petition, the committee has seen a passion and following for cricket in Wales, which can be compared to major test sides such as New Zealand. At the heart of the petition is a sense of national identity and a belief that Wales is overlooked on the world stage, with fans only seeing England represented. It is a feeling which can be derived from something as simple as the England and Wales Cricket Board's acronym, ECB, which omits Wales. In examining the feasibility and appropriateness of creating a national Welsh team, the committee recognises the substantial obstacles which block the way. But we hope that this report serves as a starting point for an intelligent discussion, taking on board the opinions and ideas of all those who support the game at professional, county and local village team level. These views should inform the best way to approach this issue and decide on a way forward. Well, I'll decide on the way forward for them. Okay. No no change. No dice. No dice. Yeah, game over, I'm afraid. Why did you rubbish. say that? Load of rubbish. Well, I don't know. I'm not Welsh, obviously, uh, nor do I claim to be. Uh, but I just, yeah, it's a bit nonsense, isn't it, really? Well, uh, Scotland have their own team. Well, exactly. But how many players, well, okay, Welsh players uh, that have played for England, proper born and bred Welsh? Simon Jones. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot. There's a few, aren't there? Matthew Maynard. Croft. Robert Croft. Uh, but you know they're yeah they may be Welsh, but even in the event that the Welsh cricket board became its own thing and you know, had their own, they had a, a Scotland level international cricket team, uh, they wouldn't be playing for Wales anyway. They'd still play for England. So <laughs> well, that's very true. It's a waste yeah. of time. Uh, there'd be no point in it. <laughs> but then I guess you could say, well, then why not? Because all well, it would mean okay. is that the the Welsh players who aren't good enough to play for England would would get to play international cricket. And it doesn't change anything as far as England are concerned. They'll still take the ones that are good. Enough. Fair point. One of the reasons why I don't think it will happen is because of the somewhat unique relationship that Glamorgan has with the rest of the English game. Because you know it might cast into doubt whether or not Glamorgan could continue playing in the county championship. That's not great from their perspective. When I mean, they spent all this money on the stadium, <laughs> they want to host England Test matches there. So I think it, it definitely won't happen. But. It is interesting and it is kind of ridiculous in a way that, um, you know, Scotland have their own team and Wales don't. Yeah, I mean, but it's just, you know, it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it, that, I don't know, cricket is contested by only 
like seriously yeah, by any right. half a dozen or a couple of dozen teams. It's like it's just that's the way it is. I guess this is the problem that we have with a lot of things that we discuss on this show. <laughs> is that we're always like it's a bit ridiculous that this, it's a bit ridiculous that that. No, but it's cricket. But, cricket I mean, is yeah, ridiculous. Cricket is, but it, cricket is what it is. You know, no, it's it. It was formed in a completely idiosyncratic way. You know, <laughs> so <it>? idiotic. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. We're just we're left like like it or lump it. Really, well, that's a, a lot of people de- lump it. And a lot of people like it. That's a bit defeatist, though, isn't it? That's a bit self-defeating if you just say if your attitude is just what are you going to do? That's that's the way it is. Because it wouldn't actually be that difficult no, to change okay, a lot yeah, of Agreed, agreed. On my, in terms of not my, like, it's not like the weather. On my you, radar, there though, are things you can do about it. Like a Welsh national cricket team is way down. Yeah. No, in cricket terms, below. Like, yeah, it's yeah, way down below. the list of priorities. I would suspect that most most Welsh cricket fans won't really care. I, a, a lot of the comments on this article, the only ones that are like, yeah, I really support this idea. Are people who say, yeah, I really support this idea. I don't care about cricket at all. So no, exactly. I don't like the sport. They just they want Wales to have more stature in, the, just wanna, in exactly. the sports world. Uh, the, the, yeah, it, I'm, so I'm just making noises there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, I, like, yeah. I, like, I like the idea, though. And I'm behind places having an identity, for sure. Uh, <laughs> okay, you're not against that. I'm not against that, no. But uh, whether I don't know, it wouldn't be for the good of cricket in in England and Wales. It's possibly something that's worth talking about, and that is all that they're saying in this article: is let's have a discussion about it. But I don't think it will happen, and I don't think it should happen either. You may have noticed that I didn't attempt a Welsh accent in that article. So yeah, it's one of the accents I can't do. I know it's hard to believe that there are accents that I can't do. I know it's hard to believe that if you've heard my attempts at other accents that I would say I'm not even going to attempt that one. But it really is that bad. Well, there is actually there's a blog here. Tim Clissid E. Gimru slash Welsh cricket team. <laughs> I'd like to have a segment on this show where you try and speak Welsh. you read Welsh. Ach, Facebook. That's what it looks like. So. There you go. If you're Welsh, I do apologise. Ivor the engine. Much like the Spice Girls musical, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been an unmitigated disaster that's wasted millions of pounds and left fans hugely disappointed. And just like that musical, it's the end of the road for this episode, Tane. We've been following the fortunes of the Spice Girls Stop musical. Stop right closely. now. It's all over. Oh, that's good. Uh, what's some other Spice Girls songs? Spice World. <laughs> yeah, but I can't fit that into yeah. my... Uh, bit spice up your life was that was that just the chorus to spice one no no there's a song called spice up your life if you want to be a fan on facebook go to facebook.com slash cricket show nope no reaction from tony uh (laughs) so that's it then for this week if we take a look at our ashes countdown clock in the corner over there tane 68 days to go where is it Behind oh, yeah. you there. Yeah. Yeah. 68 days to go. Enormous expense to put that in, Tone. 68 days. Are you getting excited? Well, I watched uh, the Out of the Ashes, possibly, on the Ashes, some documentary about the Ashes. About Probably both. Out of the Ashes, I would have well, I, don't, I can't remember it being On called... the Ashes is not <laughs> oh, an expression. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it's got, me, it's got me positively pumped for it. Yeah, all about the 81 Ashes, both of them's Ashes. I remember watching that as a kid, the video of it. <laughs> right, OK. So you were, <laughs> not, you actual, were not alive in 1981. Not the actual Ashes. But I presume this is like a new... Because it was an HD, so I presume it's like a new 
a reversioning of the documentary. I don't because I, I do remember watching a, reboot. a VHS called Both and Ashes okay. when I was a kid. But yeah, it was a really good, really good documentary. So they reboot told the story, the, well. reboot the reboot the French at the end. Darker, 81. gritty. It was gritty. There were riots and stuff. Yeah. Presumably, you're aware that Ian Botham won't be playing in this year's Ashes series. Yeah, I know. I think he might be, though. I hate to disappoint he you. He's just, stepped, he's just stepped down as captain, I think. People have been writing in wondering what our plans are for the Ashes in terms of how we're going to cover it. So, this is probably the sort of production meeting we should have off air <laughs> yeah. rather than on air. But what would, you, what would you say to doing some kind of live podcast? Ashes Daily. Well, <laughs> we, did, we attempted to do Ashes Daily for the Down Under series, but that was quite difficult, wasn't it? It would have been a lot more, yeah. I mean, it was just, it, we did it because it was the next Ashes, but it was quite difficult to do Ashes Daily for a series down under because the timings just didn't work the timings at didn't any work. stage. So we, like, once, as soon as the cricket was over, we had to go to work. So then we were coming in from work and recording the show, and then the cricket was starting before the show could be online. But it might make a bit more sense in terms of timing. To make it easier for people listening, what if we did it live? What if we did a live recording, streamed it on the internet? Yeah, I'd be up for that. We'll think about it. Uh, what you got lined up for this weekend, Tone? Well, we're, we're bank playing holiday. cricket, aren't we? 40 ever match, bank holiday. Sunshine, hopefully. Sunbathing. The sun is shining. It's glorious weather. I had uh, lunch today at uh, a local restaurant called The Boathouse. Nice. Uh, and I arrived. And I was like, oh, can I have a, a table for lunch? And they were like, yeah, sure. And they were showing me to the table inside. And there were loads of people eating inside. And I was like, oh, can I sit out the back? And the waitress was like, out the back? I was like, yeah, outside like on that sun deck that you've got out there with all those tables set up. She was like, you want to sit outside? I was like, yeah. We went outside and I sat down like in glorious sunshine and she was like, you're going to be all right out here. It's like, <laughs> yes, this is what this is for. It was quite weird. I mean, it was glorious today. Have you been invited to this screening of Greece at our friend's house on Saturday night? I don't believe I have. <laughs> it's weird. No. Rachel's. No. <laughs> she doesn't invite me to anything, though. So. You are invited. I'm not, not going to go anyway. Why would I go and watch Greece? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I, I have to say that when the, the text came through, do you want to come to mine for a barbecue? I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And she was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to have a barbecue and then watch Greece. It's like... Probably not. I've, bit, got, I've actually got better plans. It's a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> not quite sure where Greece has been chosen. It's a move. terrible idea. It's not 1995 anymore. Greece single on God. Anyway, we'll, uh, I'll let you know how Greece goes. But that's about it for this week. Uh, if you like the show and you'd like to get more involved in it, you could go to our online website, www.cricketshow.net. On there, you can purchase your World Cricket Show t-shirt for just £15, including free shipping, to anywhere in the world. If you want to like us on Facebook, you can. Facebook.com slash cricket show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that as well. Twitter.com slash cricket show. Follow Tony at Tony Cover, T O N Y C V double R. Don't leave it too late to follow me or buy your t shirt. You know, don't wait. When the sun's out, it's too late. You've not ordered it. You need to bit of forward planning on that front. Get the t shirt ordered. Let us get it sent to you. And then when the sun comes out, you go open your wardrobe and it's there, ready and waiting. Boom. That's a good good sales pitch from you there, Tony. Cheers. Nick Hewer would be proud of that one. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Uh, and if you've got a few minutes to spare, we do really appreciate the iTunes reviews that we get. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and do that. But that's it, I think. Stay in school, everybody. Have a good week. Enjoy the sunshine. May the fifth be with you. That's my favourite joke, I think, too. You get it? Yeah. Because it's May the fourth be with you. That's the joke everyone yeah, says. I think you should cut that. May the, <laughs> May the fifth be with you. Right, come on, let's get out of here, mate. <laughs> yeah. Come on. 
Bye for now. Fading down. Can smell your fear. Let's kick off this show. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. So that's a place, isn't it, that you can go to from here? Have you heard of London? Yeah, uh, briefly. <laughs> heard of it. Briefly? What does, <laughs> that, what does that mean? I saw... Did you go to Bodine's? I didn't go to Bodine's. Well, you may as well not have gone then. Really. I've, well, I've given up meat now, honestly. Oh, that's true. It's uh, a nightmare for you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I, maybe. We're playing on Sunday, aren't we? 40 overs aside. I don't know what, how I'm going to be able to go. I'll last about eight or nine balls at best. Well, we were just discussing this before the show because uh, we've been emailed to the uh, team sheet and looking at it, I think you're going to have to open, Tone. I, I can't... There's, there are no batsmen in that team. <laughs> I was going to say aside from you, but... Well, this is uh, it. I'm... But I don't know. I, you're, you might have to open. I might have to bat three or something. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. In a 40-over match, it's just... I don't know what we're going to do. I'm quite nervous about it, <laughs> actually. I just want a relaxed weekend and night. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 